0: Every owner wants their business to be a success, but not every owner is willing to do the work and make the changes necessary to achieve that success. A coach can help. In this podcast, Aaron talks with Drew Lawler. A longtime interior design business owner, Drew, like Gail and Erin, pivoted some years ago to training interior designers to be better at operating their businesses. Listen on to hear Drew's story of joining Pearl Collective and how she helps designers learn the fundamentals of business. Will we see you at High Point Market? We have some great events that we can't wait to see you at. On October 14th, you can attend The Pros Know and They're Telling You, results from the 2023 Interior Design Business Survey to power your best business life. Afterwards, catch Three Top Ways to Build Your Business, the lowdown on fees, team structure, and what you want from vendors. Then on the 15th, come see You Deserve to Make Great Money Doing What You Love. And then tell the truth, what real designers do to win at business. You can learn about all of these events at the events or on the High Point Market website.
1: Drew, thank you so much for joining us today on our podcast. I know it, you have been with us for quite some time as a coach. And I've been so eager to um, help our listeners know more about who you are and what your background is and um, the unique gifts that you bring to this world. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. So why don't we start? um, Tell me a little bit about how you got started in the interior design industry.
2: Okay. Um, Actually, when I was little... And um, people would, um, you know, just kind of doodle. I would draw floor plans. And um, I, I mean, not, they weren't obviously wonderful floor plans, but I'd draw floor plans. And um, so I loved architecture. And then I found out a friend of my dad knew somebody who was a woman who was an architect. And so he introduced me. And then I found out you had to go to college five years instead of four years. And I thought, why don't I spend all that time? <laughs> Which later I ended up in college, I think, seven years, all told. But at the time, it just seemed like forever. And so I realized that I could go into um, home economics and then focus on the the design area. So that's what I did. And um, actually, I was going to be a home economist for the gas company or the Edison company. Okay. And got out of college and they were canceling those jobs. So then I went back and got my teaching credential (laughs) and taught for a couple years. And then while I was teaching, we had somebody come from the Fashion Institute and talk to my students. And um, so I decided, well, I was going to take classes. So I went and got my AA degree after my bachelor's degree and my teaching credential. And um, and I hate people that stay in school forever, but I was working at
1: this. Sounds like you like to learn.
2: <laughs> but um, so then and then I had a wonderful mentor and
1: um, went into interior design. Excellent. Excellent. And so then tell me a little bit more about um, being an interior designer. And did you work for someone? Did you start your own business? I did. I worked
2: for my mentor um, and then I ended up going out on my own and starting my own business. And then um, actually through my involvement in ASID, I met and actually one of the the people also um, taught because then I was approached to teach at the Fashion Institute part-time. And um, so three of us formed a, we had separate businesses, but we had a very unique arrangement We shared the library, we shared um, assistance, we shared um, office spaces, um, we often shared jobs. It was just, it was a very unusual and people often asked, how did that work? Because they tried it and it just didn't work. And we were very different, but we had the same work ethic and business values and same values. So it was fabulous.
1: And how did that come to be? How did you guys all realize that? We well, we,
2: it was it came about because there was office space available and um when I became president of my ASID chapter, um thanks to one of these people, we had an office for the first time. And so I worked out of that office and then I took over an office space where they were and so then it just kind it of evolved. I mean, it really is kind of funny when you think about it because I do believe in planning ahead, but this kind of just evolved. Okay. So.
1: Well, you mentioned having a mentor and working for your mentor at first. You know, I um I started with Gail. I had no idea that I was she was going to be my mentor um in my career. And, you know, now here 18 years later, um, definitely my mentor in so many different areas of my life. So um, how did you find your mentor and um you know how did you guys stay kind of connected that way
2: she was um she taught at the fashion institute and so okay. when i was taking classes and then i forgot there was a step in between when i um barker brothers home furnishings hire was hiring a designer and so i worked there first and um and she just had taken me under her wing and she was very involved in um working with Students or working with designers to help them take the NCIDQ. She was very involved okay. in the new chapter. So she was the moving force behind me to, <laughs> to get involved and to do that. And uh, But I met her through through working at the Fashion Institute, and she was an amazing
1: woman, just amazing. Oh, I love that. I love in that. fact, everyone we, deserves we um, some good mentors in their business life.
2: They do. They should. And when she moved into... Her retirement community. She was ninety, and she redesigned their public space. <laughs>
1: okay, I love it.
2: <laughs> so she was amazing.
1: These designer minds—you just can't put them away. Like you've got to use them. We've got to be creative, right? That's good. That's good. Oh my gosh, I love it. Well, tell me a little bit more about uh, running your own interior design business. What was what was that like?
2: I'll have to say that the one thing, and I, I loved my mentor dearly. Um, the one thing she didn't share enough with me about was the business part of interior design. I mean, because mm-hmm. she, I worked with her, but she did a lot of that and had those. She did work with me as far as developing contacts and I kind of pushed forward with that. But then, um, my, one of the designers that I went with and worked with, um, I mean, when we had the the three of us, um, she really put together the business program at the Fashion Institute and those classes, and she and I taught them, and we felt very strongly about that. So that was sort of how the business part of it came out. Was I realized this is this was a missing piece. Okay. And um, so we had two classes actually at the Fashion Institute: one for the two-year program, one for the three-year program. So that was how that part evolved because I did mainly, mainly residential. um,
1: And did you um, continue with your mentor through your, um, the opening of your own business?
2: Oh yeah. That relationship. Well, because when she, she considered me as her second daughter. And so Mm -hmm. when she moved into the retirement community, I mean, I was with her till the to the very end. So, yeah, yeah, she was very much a part of my life. Okay. It was wonderful. Um
1: and I know there's, you know, being an entrepreneur, that's a whole that's a whole <laughs> spirit that not every everybody has that gift. So, um I love that to hear your entrepreneurial spirit. And um what are some of the things that you learn from your business that um, you know, right away you want to share with it your well, Not necessarily share with your coaching clients, but, you know, what are some lessons learned that um, that you had in your interior design business?
2: I think um, the importance of the business side of it, um, because when I was also teaching at the Fashion Institute and I used to tell all the students this, that we had some very creative designers that were much more. I mean, students coming through much more creative, I feel, than I was. but. they were terrible. I mean, they had no interest in the business aspect. And I always told them you either need to find a partner mm-hmm. who is very good in business, um, or you'll go out of business if you don't, or learn it yourself. And usually right. find someone. And and then the the marketing part I love. So to me, that's always been an opportunity because I like connecting with people and, and so that's you know, all a part of that. So mm-hmm. That was something I found that I really liked, and for somebody, I, I actually am um, basically shy, and so no way. people don't believe that, but it actually it's true. I mean, because I started out and was speaking a lot, and um, and it was, you know, I pushed myself because I felt it was important, and I liked it once I was in the midst of it. Uh-huh. Every time before I would start speaking, I would have those, you know rumblings in my stomach let's put it that way
1: (laughs) well it's amazing how much growth can happen when you you are conscious about the things that make you uncomfortable and you still find a way to figure out how to do them right yes and it's also
2: interesting how sometimes those things um, are something that you start doing even more of uh, and enjoy it
1: I love that. Well, what did you um, what made you decide that you wanted to become a coach? Actually,
2: um, I got very involved and that was kind of um, involved, too, that I got very involved in National ASID or an ASID. Oh, yeah. Tell us a little
1: bit about that first.
2: And I that was sort of a it was one of those things where I got up and spoke at a meeting about something I felt strongly about. And then I ended up in the position that I was being, I got elected to the position that I was speaking about that needed some changes. Okay.
1: (laughs) Sort of opened up. Be the change. (laughs) Or be the change, right?
2: (laughs) And, and when I got involved in, um, In National ASID, the main thing I wanted was to be part of their training program and Mm -hmm. um, to be a trainer, an ASID trainer. And it turns out that I ended up in a lot of other positions until I finally ended up as a trainer and then was chair of the education and um, training council. And um, we did a lot of speaking. We did a lot of teaching. um, And it actually was more of a, a coaching type of thing. And I loved it. And I loved the training. And I had set up a retreat for when I was chair. And we got to talking and I was saying to people, how many of you would do this as a business if you could? And every one of the trainers there, except one who's also a good friend of mine, raised their hand and said they would. And from okay. that, um, evolved another business. And it was a seminar business. And there were probably four or five of us that were at that event that joined our company. Wow.
1: Um, Okay. had no idea.
2: So that was, that was how that came about. Again, it was something that evolved. I mean, we worked at it, but, um, but it came about from that
1: conversation. Right. Well, tell me a little bit more about ASAD. I'm sure that some people that are listening, they're already they're already a part of that um, association. Um, But for the people that aren't, um, just tell us a little bit about ASAD. And then also what what does national ASAD mean?
2: Well, ASAD has a variety of chapters, as do some of the other design organizations. And um, and then they have a national headquarters, which is in Washington, D.C., And so there you can be involved on a chapter level um, or you can be involved on a national level.
1: Okay.
2: um, I started that involvement as um, representing the at that time it was the Council of Presidents Um, and I was chair elect and then chair of the Council of Presidents. And then with that, I sat on the national board. Then I went from there to the national board, and the national board at that time represented different areas of the country. And so I represented half of California, okay. and um, and then there were other there are other councils. There was the um, Aging in Place Council that I chaired. There was um, I was involved with and then chaired, and then the. Council of Education and Training and a variety of other, oh, and then the council chairs, which I, and the council, I don't know, there were a variety of them, not NCAD, but anyway. So, um, but I loved the, I liked the involvement because I met so many great people. And because of that involvement, and I've always said the biggest gift that ASID gave me were the friends that I have all across the country. So when I moved to South Carolina, I had a number of friends in the Southeast. from ASID, from involvement in ASID. And there were, okay. actually there were a group of us that were presidents together that formed a real tight bond. And we all went on, it just worked out that way to be national, on the national board together. And um, so it's, at the time, I think it's a little different now. <clears throat> at the time, it was the, um, the place for education. They were wonderful as far as training and education. and they offered a wonderful program helping designers with business and um and that's something I I really miss when I see um that they they don't have that because I feel it helped a number of designers Mm -hmm. at every level of their business and that was kind of what led me to be interested in what um Gail Dobie and Aaron Weir were doing.
1: Okay. And so remind me how you met Gail. We were both speaking in,
2: at actually um, a friend of mine's event he'd set up, he's my co-author, and he had set up an event in Arizona, in Scottsdale. And um, I was interested because to meet Gail, because I'd been reading and there were, you know, a lot of people out there with different programs, but I was impressed with what you all had put together in your program. So then we we met. I
1: and love it, it. All right. So then you became a coach and started coaching and you also um, are a writer for us as well in our inbox magazine. Um, so tell me about coaching. What are, what are your favorite parts about um, coaching and, and being that mentor for other designers?
2: I think, I think one of the one one of my favorite things is if I can stir them and their brain in a direction that um suddenly a light bulb goes off and they see another way to approach a problem or they come up with and it isn't me it's just the fact that um maybe because of if I've asked the right questions or made some comments that they start thinking a little differently and then suddenly they're off and running. And, um, and that to me is, that's exciting. And of course, sharing the successes with, um, with coaching clients is wonderful. I mean, you feel like you're part of it. It's just, um, you know, you're not part of their firm, but yet you get so personally involved in that because you know what's going on in the background and you get excited.
1: Well, you know, Gail and I have had um, business coaches and mentors over the years and not to sound like we've had many, but like we have them for different reasons, like different goals that we have or different problems we're trying to fix or things that we're excited to explore, grow in. And um, I know I certainly have become quite um, quite smitten with having a business coach and um, you know, it's it's so great to see that we also believe in that too for ourselves. We don't only deliver that for interior designers, but we also believe in that for ourselves and for our own personal growth and our businesses growth. And so um, just to have that person that you can you know, ask that hard question, hop on the phone when you might be having a little bit of an SOS moment, um, or to just kind of think through, um, a little bit of a different viewpoint of how to solve a problem or how to go about something.
2: Well, and I think, I think that's the key, um, or one of the keys is the fact that you've got someone else, you've got a third party or a second party, whatever. Um, getting you to think about things a little differently. And um, they may be things that very easily that you could have known, um, but you're so focused on your business. And when you've got someone outside of your business who still understands how your business Mm -hmm. operates, but they ask you sometimes just the right questions and, and it is a positive because I mean, I think we've all experienced it ourselves too, as far as getting that help. Um and actually one of the things that I really love about um the Pearl Collective as it is now, I have to remember <laughs> <laughs> it's the right names.
1: Very good.
2: Um <laughs> is the fact that you all are always excited. Well, especially Gail. She reads more, and I love to read, but she is always reading all kinds of Business books, um, coaching-related books, whatever. So it's great because she picks out the great books. I don't have to read all of those, and then she sends the list to us, and then we. Right.
1: But <laughs> yeah, like she's an that. avid reader and learner.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing is everybody connected to the Pro Collective is open to learning and loves learning and wants mm-hmm. more information. They don't feel they know it all um and they but they want that um they, they don't get tired of learning they're lifelong learners i guess and that's something i feel that's important
1: it is i think it's important um both for your own personal growth and your your professional growth right Otherwise, it's boring. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, um, finance is not my number one strength. It's definitely Gail's. And so I recently, um, I'm proud to tell you that I did not read a book, but I listened to a book all about it. Um, And I went through a two-hour session with Gail and Jen, who um, helps with our finances too. And um, I asked really great questions and I was understanding it and... Um, I went to bed last night thinking, gosh, I think I might have figured a few things out here. Uh, So, you know, it always feels good um, when you can have those aha moments and um, and all of it starts coming together.
2: Well, you know, and you bring that up. And that's why when I can, um, I try to sign on when she has the marketing challenge, the financial challenge, Mm -hmm. because I always hear something new, learn something new. And I'd rather do it at the time. I mean, we can you're great about having the recordings and we can go back. But if I'm right. doing it at the time, it's sort of I've signed up and, and put the time aside and done it. But that's the other thing that I love. I mean, so because for me, it's valuable information that then I can go on and share with my clients. So as well as I like the information.
1: Yeah. And you know, we actually have been calling them master classes lately, but as oh, we right. go through that and we teach. The financial masterclass, the the marketing masterclass. I think I might have a planning masterclass coming up towards end of the year, beginning of the year. Um, yeah. And, you know, as we go through it and we receive the questions we're learning too on the different questions that come in. So every time we offer it again, it's even better, right? You know, any, any little nugget you can take from, um, you know, how, how we explain those financial documents and, the rhythm and the things that you need to know about that is always helpful. So, well, let's talk a little bit about, you know, we all have unique gifts that we um, are blessed with when we come into this world. And so what do you feel like your unique gift is um, as a coach that maybe the other coaches don't bring to the table or they don't bring it in the way that you, that you do? I
2: can put it that way because, um, because, our other coaches, I feel, have so much to offer. And I feel that probably some of the things that that I feel are my strengths are, are probably some of their strengths. Too. Sure, sure. Quite put it that way. But I would say, you know, when I think about um, my strengths in that area, I would say probably in my interest in people. I mean, I love meeting people. I like finding out about people. Um, I like, and so although it's it's always a work in progress but so I also like to listen to people, but I always need to remind myself i you can always listen more, but I mean, I like that, and I like that opportunity, and I also um the other thing that I love doing is I love helping them come up with new ways and creative ways to market because to I me. Love I it's always surprising to me that people, and I run into that in the coaching, some of them just, they do not like, I mean, they look at it as if it's this terrible roadblock. And um, and yet I look at it as, and I I guess I just sort of thought everybody did, as we're creative beings, usually if you're in design, and it's a way to really be creative and come Mm -hmm. up with new ways. And then you can, and I like bouncing ideas off of people. So I also like being part of a team. Um, That's a, that's a positive to me. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we can't do it all ourselves, right? A team's going to always help us produce more and, and make a better experience. That's, that's the goal of team and make us money, right? At the end of the day, as entrepreneurs and help make us money. Oh yeah, that's it. Yep. Um, you know, it's interesting as people go through their VAP experiences and we're talking about marketing, um, you know, a lot, you're right. They're like, Oh, I don't want to touch it with the tempo. Holy God, I don't have time for it. I don't, it means social media. It means it means what, you know, whatever it is that they're putting in their head. It's kind of like, you know, convincing yourself that you shouldn't work out. It's like, well, it means I'm going to have to do pushups and I'm going to have to do burpees and I don't want to have to do all of that. Well, yeah, if you want to go do a different kind of workout, you can, you don't have to do those things. Um,
2: I, do that. I don't love doing my workouts. I make myself do it. But, <laughs> <probably at least. laughs>
1: um, but, you know, just going back to the fact that like relationships are marketing and, you know, going and networking and being at events, if you enjoy that part, that's networking. And so when we start looking at, all the different, I'm not networking, marketing. Um, As we start looking at all the different types of marketing, there's a lot of different things that are very simple. And if you can just have a plan around what you're doing and how you're doing it and how consistently you're doing it um, and not stopping when you're you're busiest, um, that's that's the key there.
2: Um, And also evaluating then what works and what doesn't and why, because sometimes it's It's not working because you haven't really put in the effort, but other times it's not working because it's not the right um, focus. It's not the right area of marketing or whatever. So it's, you know, being able to identify that too, I
1: think. Well, and that's why, you know, it's so important that designers are also taking time to put together some goals and some measurements to see if it's working or not. Right. I certainly have learned so much about that in the last few years about, making more decisions just based on the data that's coming in. Um, And that has certainly been far more informative than just my little creative mind thinking that I've got a really great idea.
2: (laughs) I know. I can't just relate on or rely on my brain. I've got to, um, I've got to, and that's, and that that again is where when you're part of the team and actually the pro collective is a team, you get ideas. And that's the other thing that I love about, the other coaches, too, because all the coaches are more than willing to share with each other. Um, oh, I don't know if this will help, but this is something I tried and this right. is something I did with my client, whatever. And so that's a positive, too.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. So you mentioned marketing. Do you feel like that is kind of the your area of that you can really help people solve the best? Probably. And get them excited about the best. hmm. Okay, I love that. I love um it. and then I guess and you know, building and team building. I love team, team building. building. Okay. What's your favorite part about team building? What's what gets you do stuff over there? I
2: I think it kinda of, I I have to gift um or I have to thank the gift from ASID because they did a lot on leadership training. And so mm-hmm. I think a lot of the, the value that I got from that is, um, you know, building leadership and um, which involves teams and building strong teams. And so it's evaluating people. And what is it that, um, what is, what are your values? What is your culture? So then you know how to develop a team that will fit with that. I think that's something that's very important and what, you know, Gail and you always say as far as um hire slowly, fire quickly mm-hmm. and hire for, and I am so big on this, hiring for attitude and you can train for skills, but boy.
1: Well, attitude. and it's fascinating when you get the right people um oh. that fit your culture onto your team and they start understanding who you are and what your business is about and they start performing. And then to realize there are other gifts that they bring to the table. I've This has happened a couple of times in the last couple of years that um, I had no, like Mason, who does marketing assistant stuff for me. I had no idea he had an incredible voice over voice until he just put his voice into a video one day. I had no idea he had video editing like he and he loves to do that part he actually helps um he's the the key factor that makes this whole uh podcast happen so big shout out to mason for that but you know it's just it's so interesting when people's gifts really just come out and they shine um you know even kristen the other day she does operations for us and she said you know i like I like to be in front of people and I like to present things and Kayla and I were both like, Oh my God, this is wonderful. Like, yes, thank you. And she's like, I just think I might want to fill that tank up a little bit, you know? So it's fun to to also create a culture and a space where people are open and willing to share, even if they're vulnerable about it. Um, And she's very
2: good at that, actually.
1: Yeah, I know. know.
2: With me and she is, she's fabulous at it. So, That it's true. I mean, you and I, that also is true of the the Pearl Collective culture. So the people Mm -hmm. that um, we attract are also that way. They're very open and sharing and giving and interested in learning.
1: Right. I love that. So as people are going through, you know, the process of realizing that they need a mentor or a coach and that they've got some problems in their business that they can't quite solve themselves. They need that kind of straight line um, of, (laughs) instead of going through like the highs and lows of learning on their own, they kind of need that expedited version of what it is that my business needs to do to scale or to grow or to um, become the future business that they want it to be. Um, And so as they're thinking about um, maybe coming into one of our coaching programs and investing and, and having a coach alongside them. What does that look like? So, you know, I can kind of start that off. We've got our VIP experience that uh, people go through and that's with myself and our director of coaching, Patty Julber. And so that's a three day Zoom experience. And it's kind of like an, uh, an MBA level mm-hmm. of information about running an interior design business. Um, And then from there, but but they're also investing in like this cheerleader, accountability partner, mentor, coach. um, And that's where you come in, um, Drew. So tell me a little bit about kind of their first maybe their first 90 days or what what that coaching looks like. When do they get to get started with you?
2: Well, I think one of the things that we can then help with when we take over from that is because. That's, a, as we often say, a fire hose of information. So they've gotten so much information and opened their eyes, I think, a lot of times about their business and about their personal goals and what they want out of their business. And then we come along, I think, to help them focus and keep reminding them that you're not going to do all of it at one time. We're going to focus on pieces at a time. Mm-hmm. And they come out of the VIP with actually a game plan for or um kind of a directive, sort of, for the first 30 days, then the first 60 days, then the first 90 days. And I find it's helpful if we can help them focus on that and help them realize that you're not going to do it all. You can't approach it all at one time. But if you can celebrate the positives, and so we always start each coaching call with okay. What were the wonderful things that happened? What are the things to
1: celebrate from the last? Right, the wins. We always have to remember the wins, wins.
2: and and it's funny because I think we're all guilty of this. As and we they also report in, or they can, and they do report in once a week, um, in you know just sending us a little message and doing their what are their challenges and what do they need from us so that we can kind of communicate with them and and it helps them also to remind them every week to think in terms of, okay, what were the wins for this week? Because I think we get focused so much on the challenges. And mm-hmm. so they get kind of excited when they realize, well, you know, I really did. I mean, I, I just got this brand new, fabulous job with an ideal client, or um, I, I finally, I raised my rates and I made my first approach and it was great. Or whatever. Yeah. So those are the kinds of things that um, that I think that we're there for to kind of guide them so that they can take that information and get the most out of it because they've got a whole year, um, you know, to, well, they've got more than that, but basically they've got a whole year to use that information and get their business to the goals that they set in the VIP.
1: I love that. Well, you know, I kind of launch them to you and then you take care of them um, alongside our community. Um, and and getting to know the community and being a part of that and the events and so um, it's fun to it's fun to hear your side of things because my my piece I'm I'm kind of with them along in the journey but in a much different way um, and so it's it's just fun to hear kind of your your side of it as well because I'm not even as aware of that. Um, I mean, I am, but not, you know, not your, you're kind of like your daily weeklies um, with the clients because you guys have that handled. So I love
2: uh, we that. have fewer clients, you have everyone under that umbrella, so you nice. can't. You know, get all the details about each one of them. That's so. right.
1: That's right. Although I do do my very best to get to see them at market or at events, and you good um, about that. You are good. Yeah, and you know, uh, it's so important for me. Um, you know, to get to know people. Sometimes they come to our marketing events and that's where I get to see them, like if, if it's at high point market or um it's at one of our master classes or at a speaking engagement. And then I, I see them a few minutes later or a few years later when they've decided to go through the VAP experience. And so um it is a it's a cool journey um to watch and see um when people are ready and um and when they're ready, they really are ready to get the work done and, and work on the business instead of in the business. Well,
2: and it's it's actually been fun, too, because there's people that have come to the Pro Collective that were students of mine at the Fashion Institute. Oh, my in gosh. I love it. And then there was somebody that was on one of the, before we were calling them the master classes, but there was somebody that was on that call. And Gail always asked where everybody's from. And this person was from Aiken, South Carolina. And so okay. that's where I am. And so we connected, actually, through
1: that. So it's okay. kind of fun, too. I love it. You are a relationship gal. Well, Gail, Gail was the one that connected us. Uh, okay. I say, All right. Well, she also, Do we, you we know both are relationship people. So I love it. <laughs> well, Drew, it's been so great to have you on. And um, I know that you also are an avid reader. Um, But you're probably not taking the vast list that Gail is working on, Um, but maybe a few of the recommendations that she has as well. But um, what's one of your latest reads that um, you think business interior design business owners should should know about?
2: Actually, it's probably the there's one the be your future self. Oh, yes. Um, By Benjamin Hart. It's sitting right over there. So it makes me think of that. Um. I know in our circle calls, they've been talking about eat that frog. And that one I read a number of years ago, but it's still very valuable. And um, and actually one that I read a number of years ago, but for some reason, it just really um, resonated with me. And that was Blue Ocean Strategies. Okay. And um, it's I mean, some of the businesses that they mentioned have, I think, changed their strategies and I'd not necessarily <laughs> for the good, but I mean, but. But at the time, the things that they brought up, and it was, I loved it because the whole idea was everybody's fighting out in the red ocean. In other words, the sharks is what they mm-hmm. were talking about. And um, isn't it nice to go a different route and think about a different route so you're out there in the blue ocean that sets you apart. And so that to me oh, is... I love that idea. What is it that sets you apart? Because we get so often designers are saying you know, well, there's a lot of other designers in the area and they're well-known or they're bringing in, you know, they're hiring well-known designers.
1: So that, that book resonated with me. So those are some. I'll have, to, I'll have to put on my reading or my, my walking listening list. Walking list. But, <laughs> and and,
2: I, and I, Mike McCallowitz's books too. I love his Oh books. yeah, he's so great. I, I can't believe that I forgot to mention that. Profit First and um, what was it? Eat the Pumpkin? Eat the Pumpkin? No, Eat the Frog. So there's not, but his has the. I
1: think it's the pumpkin plan or pumpkin
2: plan. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. No, it's eat the frog is the other one. So anyway, those, his are great too.
1: I love that. Well, uh, we always like to end the podcast with three takeaways for our audience.
2: Okay. We'd like to share with them. One would be um, you really need to ask yourself, are you willing? to grow your business and are you willing to do what it takes to get to where you want um and in that um in are you willing to consider hiring somebody having a coach there so that are you willing i guess to give up doing trying to do it all yourself and then ask yourself how well have you been doing When you've been doing it all yourself, are you willing to bring someone else on to help you? And are you coachable? Because, um, that's something that that's one of the first questions you've got to ask yourself and ask yourself honestly, are you going to listen to everything that is being shared with you and then go off and do your own thing and not pay any attention to it? Then it's not worth your time and money to invest in that. But if you really want to grow and, um, be part of a great community, Um, then I think that's something that you want to consider. So I don't know if that was three things. That was, are you ready to to grow your business? Um, Are you ready to bring someone else in? And um, what's the third? What would I say is the third? I would say, um, actually, you know, it's, do you feel, can you honestly look at yourself and feel that you're worthy? And that may be something that you need to work on. And that may sound kind of crazy, but um, but a lot of people, that's oh, wow. the stumbling block. It isn't the financials as much as the fact that they feel they're not worthy because, and part of it is they love this design business so much mm-hmm. that how can they charge for that? Um well, I'm sure doctors love what they do, but don't you value what they offer their enough own to value Yeah, And I think that's the thing is finding the value that you offer that sets you apart, not only from other designers, mm-hmm. but what, the reason that somebody is going to come and hire you.
1: Right. And also, you know, the mindset shift that sometimes it takes to, to get you there and that, exactly. that loaded exactly. question that you shared. So... That's great. Well, Drew, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you so much for being with Gail and I and the Pearl Collective and all of our iterations over the years. Um, it's a joy to have you on our coaching staff and we really appreciate all that you do for our clients and our community. And um, I just can't wait to share this with the, our world so that um they can get to know you a little bit better. Well, thank
2: you. I just um I am so Um, proud, I guess, of the pro-collective because I just, I feel that it is such a great group of people that offers such great value. Speaking of value, offers such great value and I've loved being a part of it. So thank you all.
1: Well, thank you.
0: Thank you, Drew, for joining us on the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure you're subscribed to the Creative Genius Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Next week, we're sharing the chat between Gail Dobie and Garrison Hollinger from our recent Operation Thrive Live event. If you weren't able to join us, you won't want to miss this discussion. If you're interested in learning more about Pearl Collective, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, or visit us at thepearlcollective.com.